definitely human. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 16 and it is summertime. I'm on my way walking to see the chickens. This is my first thing that I do when I get into the farm in the morning is to check the chooks and see what eggs have been laid, if any. Morning, girls. (laughs) We've been having quite a lot of trouble with them eating their own eggs, which is not something that I expected that they would be so cannibalistic. Oh, there's like a shell on the floor right now. I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and... um, I thought it was only the weak shelled ones. Some of them lay very thin shelled eggs, which we've tried to combat by I've been cooking up eggshells um, so they no longer taste of eggs and crumbling them up and throwing them in their food. Um, I also bought some like premium oyster shell mix in case they were like calcium deficient. But I think the truth of the matter is they just really like the taste of their own eggs. In the beginning, I tried filling an egg with Coleman's mustard and they just ate the whole thing. Apparently chickens hate mustard, but these ones don't. And a lot of people said that we really needed to nip it in the bud in the beginning, which I didn't really want to do. I didn't want to be like cruel to any of them. And so now it's sort of got a bit out of control and now they all enjoy eating the eggs. So I'm learning. (laughs) Let's see if there's any eggs in the little laying boxes. No. Oh, easy. Um, Something that I did last week was I bought a few rollaway box trays and kind of put them in where the chickens like to lay their eggs, um, which is not in the original laying boxes that I'd had set out. They like to sleep in there instead. But the problem is, I mean, they don't really enjoy sleeping in the boxes because before they had nice cushy sawdust to kind of nestle into. And now it's like a plastic box. And the second thing is we've had a couple of eggs laid in there, one that was eaten because they managed to find a way to peck at it in the little hideaway bit in the end. And another one that just didn't even roll away so I'm not sure how successful the rollaway boxes are it's not much we can do for what they get up to before around 6 30 when we open the hatch and let them into their outside bit I think they just get bored when we first got the chickens we were told that they weren't used to any kind of luxuries whatsoever so we were told that you know they would all just sleep together on the floor they would lay eggs on the floor and we didn't really need to provide anything but over time We started giving them nesting boxes, sleeping boxes, perches, 
Um, Harry and I went and got a big stick from the woods that they enjoy uh, roosting on now. So I guess they're just learning just like we are with what they actually like to do um, and us learning what they actually enjoy. Yeah. One of the things I have managed to set up is an honesty box um, on the farm with eggs. So Harry came up with the genius name of Maze Lays, and he's done a little illustration on the front with a chicken sat on my head. <laughs> um, the chickens aren't laying that many eggs, to be honest. We're getting maybe three a day. Pretty much three hens lay consistently. The other ones are all just freeloading. I think they're still going through their malt. So hopefully they'll come out the other side and give us a few more eggs. But yeah, I'm just putting out a box of maize lays on our little honesty box table. And we've got a little money box with some change. And they're quite big eggs, so we're charging £1.50. To be honest, they get snapped up so quickly. And everyone comments about the incredible colour that they are. If you want to see a picture of what Maze Lays looks like, I'll be posting about it on social meds on the Back to Earth Instagram and Twitter. I think it's so good. Harry's so talented at doing like illustration in the box. We bought about 200 egg boxes from Mole Valley Farmers, which is the local sort of farm shop here in Devon. It's got a mascot of a mole with a farmer's hat and a bit of corn hanging out of its mouth. You can't really make it up. So we bought loads of egg boxes from them and we've made little stickers to go on the top of the egg box to put out on our honesty box table. See, I'll share with you guys photos of that. Hi, freeloaders. <laughs> David's always laughing at me because all I'm going on about is the eggs every day. And it's not like the eggs mean everything to me, but it's just that, I don't know, I guess for me, it's like goes hand in hand with the hen health. How are they doing? Why aren't they laying? Is it like a stressful environment? I've been so obsessed about making sure that their environment is stress-free. I even bought them a little chicken swing, which I don't think they've touched. <laughs> I'm constantly kind of, I guess, following in my dad's footsteps of roaming around the farm, finding what odd bits of, you know, brick, breeze block, bits of wood to sort of construct new laying boxes and give them a sort of cozier environment. I went up into my fabric storage and I found some really expensive Italian wool um, in this navy grid from the Charlie May collection. And I made them little curtains for their nesting boxes so they'd have some privacy because I thought maybe that would be a bit stressful for them because it's a bit out in the open. And the hens really like to bully each other. It's called henpecked for a reason. They sort of pull each other off the nest. The head honcho hen will have a favorite laying box, which she likes to dominate. And if any of the lower chickens try and sit on it, she will pull her off by her head. Um, and it's really, really mean. So I don't know, whenever a chicken's on the nest, I feel like I'm sort of like a bit of a bouncer. I kind of like hang about in there and make sure none of the other ones bully her off. One of the biggest transformations has been in Gertie, who was the most henpecked one. She had hardly any feathers when we first got her. And now it's a bit like the ugly duckling. She is the most gorgeous color. She's sort of like marl, orange and white feathered. And she's one of our hens that's laying eggs every day. And when we first got her, even throwing her bits of sweet corn or wheat, she wouldn't even have the confidence to um, go and pick it up because it was, you know, she was just like the lowest of the pecking order. No matter what you tried to do, she wouldn't even go for it. Now she eats out of my hand. She's absolutely amazing. Such transformation. I'll post pictures of her as well because it's so nice to see. They say in farming, never name your animals because they'll be the first ones to die. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened with me. I wanted to name um, a couple of the chickens Gertie and Maud because we've always had a Gertie and Maud on the farm. My dad called a couple of guinea fowl Gertie and Maud and they'd always roam around the farm. We'd say, there's Gertie and Maud. So I thought, right, I need to have a Gertie and Maud. And unfortunately, Maud died. She was my favorite chicken because 
she was so docile and she would always be next to you. She had no interest in being with the other chickens. And whenever you came in, she would just stand by your legs, which I realize now was probably a sign that actually she was in a very stressed environment with the other chickens. She didn't get on in the pecking order. She was a total outcast. And she just slowly went downhill. I don't think she ever got over the stress of the move. The actual adoption day for the chickens, I think, is very, very stressful. They've gone from living in a cage all their lives, um, their home, to suddenly being taken out of that. So, yeah, it's quite a lot on their little hen hearts. So we buried Maud, but yeah, Gertie does bring me a lot of joy because she's done a huge transformation um, and she's getting on really, really well and is really, really happy. So from homegrown eggs to homegrown veg, by now you'll be familiar with Back to Earth main characters, Mum and Nigel, but there's someone else who's been a big influence in my veg journey, who's always bringing me seeds and plants and gardening advice, and that's Nigel's partner, Kate. So I'm just visiting Kate in her allotment. It is really hidden away in the back of a housing estate. You would never even know it was here. And we've just come out on this clearing and there's all these little square plots, each individually owned, all with their own sort of like higgledy-piggledy homemade sheds, lean-tos, old greenhouses, different polytunnels. People have got old pill bottles on top of bamboo sticks to hold up wire mesh. Um, It's just amazing. And there's so many different fruits and veggies. I can't wait to talk to Kate and find out more about what makes having an allotment so fantastic. It's, um, everybody's at different stages Mm. and everybody has different ideas and everybody has different methods. And really that is the whole joy of allotmenting. Yeah. Because there is no one rule. None of us here are experts. So yeah, shall I take you around? Yeah, please. Yeah. So this, from there to the green fencing. Oh, amazing. Mesh, mesh. Yeah. Is mine. Plus the bit over there is mine as well. Is that your shed. little shed as well? Yeah, my shed, my lean-tos, my water butts and what have you. That's the fence we lost there, you see. So ah. that road that goes through there. Oh, yes. Although that gentleman can see in, yeah. you wouldn't know how to get in here. No. I certainly never saw it when I was in the car. No. Before, this was doubled right the way over to the road. Right. The road went through to the supermarket and the yeah. industrial estate. Mm. I've had this for 12 years. Back in the time then, they couldn't get rid of them. Yeah, nobody wanted nobody them. Nobody wanted them. Mm. So a couple at the top, they wanted to keep there. So they actually took two on. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. Oh, wow. <laughs> and now, as they're becoming available through whatever reason, they're actually splitting them in half. Oh, so you just half, have yeah. to be a little bit savvy in what you're putting in. Mm-hmm. See that you've got the strawberry plants that you very <laughs> kindly gave us the offshoots yes, of. Yes, and as you can see, I've got very little fruit. <laughs> <laughs> We've only had sort of about four or five little red strawberries to pick off. Have you had any? No. Okay. No. Um, I think this year I'm just going to let them mature. Yeah. What I've done is I moved them from this site here Mm. and I've made them an island because what you've got to bear in mind, they are in there for, I tend to keep mining for three years. Mm. So any weeds or persistent weeds, i.e. we have cooch grass from the path, which was what the issue was here. And you can't get right down under because you're going to disturb and lose your strawberries. Mm. We also have bindweed. Here's the joys of gardening. So by isolating them as an island, anything that's around it, you can keep that soil clean. So when you say isolating, you mean you've got the wooden planks in between the like scaffolding planks and some mesh. Is that what you mean by islanding? Islanding, I have a crop down that side. Okay. So that is beetroot yes. and that will come up. I will clean that soil okay. from the cooch grass, from yeah. the bindweed. Down there I have 
my sweet peas for my mum. And then that side, I have the French beans. So you, you actually make an island of it and the ground around it is then cleaned every year. Yeah. Wooden planks purely for me to stand on right, right. for access and what have you. It also divides your crops, which is just a aesthetic. It's so tidy and neat. Well, I have quite a bit of time Do you down do a here. lot of thinning and things like that? Yes. And... Well, we were promised rain. Yeah. <laughs> Torrential rain, I hear, on Sunday. So I came down and I thinned the rocket. Mm. I left a bare bit of ground there for then to transplant into. And then, obviously, the rain never appeared. So I then had to come down and water. Is that one of the downsides of this allotment, is that um, there isn't water on site, so you have to carry it from home? We don't have water on this site. Mm. All you have is what you collect off your sheds, right. your lean-tos, your pergolas. And I tend to, it does look a bit scrap heap challenge, but I leave <laughs> buckets out, out as well because yeah. that bucket can save a crop yeah. all for a couple of days. But you are up against every element. Mm. We haven't had a great start, but things are starting to catch up. I've lost things before to drought, to a very, very dry spring, gone on holiday, come back, lost everything, put it all in again, and it's all caught up, and I'm still harvesting. All I think right. we're just giddy, aren't we, after winter? We're just giddy to grow things and start, but the weather isn't quite there for it's us. It's not quite there, but it's all catching up, albeit a little bit colder. I think sometimes it's worth taking photos where you have a date reminder each year and just say, oh, look, this is what we were picking this time last year. So actually, we're not far behind, or we are in front, but we just go with it. We're just fortunate that this is an interest. For me, it's not a business. No. So I'm not dependent on this to pay bills, thankfully. (laughs) So why did you get into allotmenting? Because if you don't mind talking about it. I think it stemmed back from my father and actually my grandfather before that. They were keen gardeners. When my father and the family moved, he would inevitably dig up the lawn. So as children, we never had anywhere to play, (laughs) which is a little bit of resentment from myself and my sisters. And then to add to that, he would... Can you come and hold this bag? Can you pass this? Can you help me with this? And off we'd go down the garden, rolling our eyes and tutting. And ironically, it's caught me the bug. I love it. So yes, when I had a young family and I wanted to put fresh vegetables and fruit on the table, knowing where it's come from and the love and attention that I've put into it, it's it's a great interest. It's a great therapy. And I love it. I think it all comes through nurturing. You know, you put that little seed in and you come down a couple of days later, hopefully it's popped up. And I hear people down here squealing because they can see a leaf. You know, it's a lovely well-being interest. I love it. Amazing. Keeps you fit. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, I realise that as well, yeah. especially lugging bits of soil back and forth and Absolutely. Yeah, water and everything. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You're away from your phone, your front door, children if you have them, um, <laughs> and it's your world. I think I've really enjoyed gardening this year for the first time because it's just really helped me to slow down and almost be a bit more in touch with the seasons, which in the city I definitely wasn't, you know, knowing that certain things grow when other certain things don't, and it just really connects you in that kind of slow way. And it's an interest with a reward right the way through from putting that seed in to keeping you fit while you're doing it Mm. and then a product at the end of it. Would you say that you're saving money if you don't count how much your time is worth? Um, You're raising things from seed. Do you think you save money in the long run by growing your own veg? I would. If you grow things that are seasonal that you're not then buying, if you totted it up in your local supermarket or your greengrocers or wherever you shop, then yes, you do. You've got to bear in mind that 
I can pick here of a late afternoon and it can be on the plate within 15, yeah. 20 minutes. And you can't beat that and taste, you can you? can't beat that. You also know where it's come from. Mm-hmm. You know what's gone into it. I'll take a truck of vegetables down to a local restaurant. Oh, um, do you? Yes, yeah. I do. Yes, I do. And the owners love to see it because the customer within their restaurant also sees that it's arrived by foot. So no air miles and it's fresh and it's local. And through the season, at the end of the season, then we get a lovely free meal. Oh, that's so And nice. it's lovely. I don't ask for any money because I'm yeah. not in it for that. Yeah. It's my excess, actually. And by the gate, when you come in, there will be a little table and we do help yourself. So it could be plants that we've inevitably put in the whole packet of seed, thinking <laughs> only five or six will come up. And yes, they all come up. So we leave seed plants at the gate for the other allotmenters to help themselves and ideas recipes all sorts it's oh, just so nice. it is it's lovely it's so such a community it is it's great and i couldn't put a price on this mm. where my sister has a plot in birmingham it's so big you have to drive through it oh really it's huge oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah she's in birmingham and there it's such a cosmopolitan environment so you learn so much more they have cook-offs of an evening you can walk down and it smells amazing you have the caribbean the jamaican west indian so the plants they're growing are very diverse yeah. from you know, my sweet corn, potatoes, strawberries and traditional English. Absolutely. So again, that's learning and, you know, swapping out. But they're very different. They have water. They've actually bored down to a borehole. Oh, wow. Like a well. Yeah. Yeah. So the council came to them and said, it's going to cost £7,000 to do this. Mm. And they all said, okay. So what they did, they set up a clubhouse Mm. and they put a bar in (laughs) and they have a selection of different rums and what have you. Profit from that has paid for them to have the water. No way. Absolutely. So it does make a vast difference if you do have water. If you don't, you just have to make good for what you got and pray for the rain that they do promise. Yeah. (laughs) Well, natural is better, isn't it? Even if you did have a tap, the fact that it's from the sky, you know, rainwater and everything is better than from the tap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can be too dependent on what you would get from home just turning that tap on. And we're in a drought, so you shouldn't really be doing that anyway. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's all the... um, is it the ethos of mm. allotmenting? All this gardening, as I say before, none of us are experts. We learn as we go. But I, you know, I get some. I get some good crops. I'm really. I'm. I'm fortunate. Yeah. I'm really fortunate. I'm back on the farm. It's a beautiful evening and I'm about to literally enjoy the fruits of my labour. The chutney we made has had time to mature and I'm in the garden with mum and David. We've got cheese and crackers and wine. So if you remember the chutney we made, it was a rhubarb chutney. Rhubarb that we pulled out of the ground with our bare hands. The rhubarb was one of the first things that came out of the garden because I've got it there already. And you can eat it right away, but the strong taste of the ginger and it all matures in the jar if you leave it as long as possible which is why the general idea is that you make chutney in the autumn when all the fruits are available and then you leave it in the jar and it's ready in time for Christmas. Mm. So we've got a local cheese, where is it from? Wookie Hole. Wookie Hole, Cheddar, outside Bristol. Cheddar Gorge. Cheddar Gorgeous. Cheddar Gorgeous. And I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've brought the first harvest from the garden. Ooh. <laughs> this is what I've got for my strawberries, okay? I've got one medium-sized one and one very tiny one. So I've got two strawberries. Well, it's nice to see all your hard work has paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Open some wine, please. <laughs> So this is the wine that the guys that planted the vineyard were drinking. So Mingus Chardonnay, Edelhof, Edelhof, Edelhof. So let's try some of that. 
doesn't look super yellow, actually. Oh, that's actually very nice. Yeah, it is. Normally, they're far too oaky for me. This is nice. This is mm. the German grape, which is very different, isn't it? Yeah, Chardonnay in Germany, actually. Mm. It's really, really tasty. It's not remotely oaky. It's really fresh and light. So the rhubarb chutney was wonderfully gingery. The rhubarb breaks down and it makes it quite tart, depending on the amount of sugar you want to put in. I tend to like a little bit less sugar than the recipe calls for. And I've had my first harvest, strawberries. It feels so good to grow something from scratch and actually eat it straight out of the ground that's been ripened by the sunshine and you literally pluck it and eat it just in the perfect moment when it's the most perfectly ripe. God, look at the size of that cloud. Yeah, storm's moving in. We better get home then because it's going to take us half an hour to walk. (laughs) Great. We'll drink up. (laughs) So it's official. I'm eating food that I've grown myself. I have become one with nature. I am farmer. Soon I will be unstoppable. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. Music is by John Day, artwork is by Eric Chow, and this episode was edited by D-A-V-I-D-K-N-I-G-H-T. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you for listening. And if you're supporting us on Patreon, stay tuned for our show series, hashtag Farm Life. This week we'll be talking about my ginger nut rangers. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye!